Hi guys, uh, welcome to another episode of the Martechno Beat, a specially curated podcast series powered by Netcost Martech. And uh, as I mentioned previously also the next few episodes strongly revolve around the central theme of the power of personalization, the power of how businesses are leveraging data-driven strategies to drive user engagement at scale. And uh, today I have the pleasure of uh, having uh, Mr. Anand Bhaskaran, the head of digital marketing at uh, Big Basket, join me for a candid and insightful conversation. Welcome, Anand. Hey, hi, Pradeep. Pleasure to be here. So, uh, Anand's been uh, the head of digital at Big Basket for uh, almost four years. He's been at the company for almost five years. And uh, before that, he was in the uh, finance industry for almost five years. So, a uh, solid track record that... Uh, uh, he brings to the table and uh, I'm sure we're going to have uh, a very insightful chat. I'm your host Pradyut Hande once again and uh, without further ado, let me just, uh, you know, kickstart this podcast. Uh, this is, uh, this episode revolves around, you know, how a brand like Big Basket is leveraging the power of personalization to solve key user data engagement and retention challenges uh, across the board and uh, just for context the big basket happens to be india's largest online supermarket and uh, you know with the digital grocery markets later to grow to almost 10.5 billion dollars by 2023 it's a massive opportunity for uh, new players and existing players to tighten their belts so uh, my first question to you anand is uh, could you walk us through the genesis and the growth story of big basket so far Basket uh, was started around uh, eight years back uh, by a group of uh, entrepreneurs who had been in the grocery space uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, so uh, a group of five entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, who kind of realized that uh, you know somewhere around 2011, 2012, um, there was a market opportunity for uh, online groceries in India. Right. Um, we started small. Um, we started, uh, you know, by, uh, in fact, one of the key things uh, to note with groceries is, in fact, a few differences between grocery and uh, any, other hor- right. any other horizontal uh, e-commerce company. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is you're dealing with uh, perishables. Correct. You're dealing with fruits and vegetables. You're dealing with meat. Right. And uh, that uh, requires a very robust uh, supply chain. Correct. So that, that is one point of difference. Uh, the second point of difference is that unlike uh, in most other uh, e-commerce uh, scenarios, uh, in grocery, customers are ordering uh, maybe 8 to 10 items uh, at a time. Correct. Right? And uh, and if, uh, if a customer orders 10 items, mm-hmm. it's uh, necessary to be able to deliver all of those 10 items, uh, you know, to the customer. Correct. Um, because... If, for example, a customer orders 10 items and mm-hmm. you're not able to deliver one or two items, right. the customer has to step out, right? right? Which defeats the purpose Correct. of shopping online. Correct. So, so not only do you have to deliver perishable items, mm-hmm. um, you have to have the supply chain for that, but also you have to have the, the ability to deliver all items that the customer has ordered right. um, without fail. So, the first, you know, three or four years was spent in... Uh, Honing and fine-tuning the supply chain and the delivery model. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we were initially for the first three or four years we were just present in uh, three cities. Okay. Um, and once we had perfected the delivery model um, and the supply chain, mm-hmm. um, then we you know we were able to roll out uh, operations very quickly to uh, 25 cities. Right. Um, which is which is our scope of operations today. Okay. So that's briefly the history of Big Basket. Uh, one of the interesting things that's happened over the last few years is that having built that backbone, uh, you know, the supply chain backbone right. and the warehousing backbone, mm-hmm. um, over the last you know two or three years, we've been able to uh, uh, offer uh, different services based on the same backbone. Okay. So, for instance, uh, we have something called DD Daily, right. which is which is a morning uh, fresh delivery uh, model. So right. The idea is. You kind of place an order by 9 p.m. on a day, right? And uh, you get it delivered by uh, 6:30 or 7 a.m. the next day. Okay. Um, and that a lot of that, I mean, some of the things we built for that are new, but a lot of it piggybacks on the uh, grocery backbone that we built. Right. Uh, likewise, we have something called uh, BD Instant. Okay. Um, which is uh, unmanned uh, kiosks. Okay. Um, so, for example, you could have. Uh, I mean, this is quite popular in the Western countries, uh, mm-hmm. and also also in countries like Japan, right. uh, where you know you, you have kiosks uh, in in apartments as well as uh, you know in your office. Right. So we also have that uh, that uh, machine. It's called BB Instant. Okay. Um, in, in fact, we also have a B two B business. Okay. So all of these, uh, you know, in effect, uh, ride on the expertise and the backbone that we've built, uh, you know, over the last few years. Right. Now that sounds fascinating, and it also goes to show how this entire space is, uh, you know, ripe for uh, innovation. Uh, for someone who can get their supply chain backbone right, there are uh, yeah. minor pockets that you can get into that cater to niche yeah. audiences. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Now, um, I mentioned a stat at the beginning of the episode. Um, I just wanted to pick your thoughts on. You know how you see this industry shaping up. Uh, where do you see this go over the next five years in terms of competition, in terms of rising demand? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. So, uh, with respect to online grocery, one of the uh, key things to note is uh, that globally, right, it's one of the least uh, penetrated uh, categories. Right. Right. Online. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in fact, two two things which. in combination make for a very you know you know interesting uh, uh, uh you know observation one is the market is very big so typically in most markets grocery is the single biggest retail market right number one number two it also tends to be uh, you know the least penetrated uh, category online so right. which which means out of 100 people who buy uh, i mean everyone buys groceries mm-hmm. but you know very few people buy groceries online Right, right, and that's the trend. Uh, in, you know, globally itself, mm-hmm. um, except for a few countries. I think uh, South Korea, for instance, has a slightly higher. Even China, for instance, has a slightly higher penetration than than uh, than India or the US. But right. but in general, it is true that online grocery has uh, low penetration. Okay, and that has to do with uh, you know maybe a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the amount of trust required to uh, buy food. Right. right, especially perishables. Hmm. Um, and the barrier for that is quite high. Right. Right. Number one. Number two. Uh, I also think uh, there is a habit element to this. So hmm. I mean, people buy tend to buy grocery. I mean, they pick a grocery store and they 
you know continue with it for a long time right um and so also you know, it's a very touch and feel sensitive uh, sort of category where uh, consumers would you know rather uh, you know feel it physically before making a purchase with certain items exactly yeah exactly i think that again uh, i mean this what you're saying is true for uh, the perishables category correct perishables so for example if you're buying detergent then i would imagine touch and feel doesn't play a role there yeah i'm talking about But, perishables yeah you know, yeah so for perishables uh, touch and feel you know still is important for a lot of people so because of these two reasons uh, it's traditionally been uh, you know a, 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 a category that takes time to penetrate online right uh, that's number one and uh, there is also no different in that regard mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, if you look at the number of uh, people who transact online in india right for physical goods mm-hmm. uh, that's around uh, you know 10 to 20 million in a month that's that's my best estimate Okay. Whereas if you look at the number of people who transact for uh, groceries online, right? Um, I would imagine that number is uh, you know two million, not three million, not more than that. Right. 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 So to that extent, uh, if you know, even in India, uh, it's it's a category that's growing fast, but uh, you know, still a long way to go. Right. Uh, number one. Uh, number two. Um, in terms of competition, as a result, right? I mm-hmm. mean, so there's two ways to look at it. Right. One is to look at uh, competitors within the online space. Correct. And within the online space, you have you know all the horizontal uh, players are there. Correct. Um, uh, now, um, and you have you know uh, companies like uh, Grofers. Correct. Uh, you know, or groceries. You know, or only to groceries. Right. There are a bunch of them in the online space. But really, here, um, I mean, given that the penetration is low, mm-hmm. uh, we think the opportunity is really in growing the market itself. Mm-hmm. So, how do you get more people to adopt online groceries? Right. Um, and especially, you know, given that they are the market leader, uh, we tend to increasingly think of our, you know, one of the key things in marketing is how do we grow the market? Correct. So that's how we we are thinking of, you know, competitive. I mean, the competitive landscape. Okay. Um, and a couple of interesting observations here, right? Mm-hmm. uh one is uh uh i mean one one interesting observation is we have dd daily for instance right right um i mean it's gone really fast over the last year or so mm-hmm. and we think that um i mean people most people or a lot of people tend to buy milk uh, get milk delivered right right they don't go out to buy milk um and therefore it seems like uh, you know the resistance to buying milk plus other things online is probably lesser right so i think that's one uh, one uh, way to expand the market um, besides that i think a lot of it has to do with uh, you know how do you in- increase the level of trust Correct. in the brand and uh, i mean for example flipkart uh, did this quite well uh, you know in e-commerce where mm-hmm. for example they introduced cash on delivery uh, right Uh, has a credit trans etc so you know um, part of it is figuring out uh, what do they do to enhance trust in Correct. our brand so for, for example i mean i'll give you a couple of examples sure. of how they've done this mm-hmm. so from the very beginning right uh, um they had this uh, no questions asked uh, return policy so right. i mean if you're a customer you order something and uh, you i mean either you don't like it or you just don't want it or you right. order it by mistake you can return it to us uh, I mean, we don't ask any questions. You can just return it. Okay. Number one. Uh, number two, even more, you know, interesting is uh, if we are late, right? Right. So one of the interesting thing, I mean, important things about grocery is that uh, you want it at a particular time. Correct. On time delivery I mean, so, is paramount. Exactly. Yeah. So 
uh, if you are ordering today you want to know that it's coming in a particular time slot correct so one of the things we did right from the very beginning is if we weren't able to deliver uh, by the promised time okay. uh, we would um we would pay a certain amount uh, i mean today we pay 5% above the uh, of the order value okay and have credited back to the wallet Right. Um, which means that we also have uh, skin in the game, right? I mean, so we we make a mistake, we pay for it, you know, Correct. quite literally. Correct. Um, and and I think a lot of those things, and when customers observe that happening, and we make hard promises, right? And we uh, then customers, you know, tend to realize that uh, we are we are in it for the long run, and that uh, you know we mean it when we say that uh, we want to earn the customers' trust. No, that. So makes, I think those are some yeah. things we've done. Right. But it's a continuing. Uh, sort of journey because um, I mean, what tends to happen in any market is um, initially there are people who really, you know, absolutely need the service. Correct. Um, what you know, the, the uh, term is early adopters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but I think as you try to penetrate, uh, you know, the, the mass market. Correct. You need to figure out what the concerns of the mass market are, and you know, try to continually evolve your offering and your promise. Right. So that it appeals to larger segments of the population. True, I think there is a convergence of uh, promise and solving pain points, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I think something that has stood you guys in good stead and will continue to in the future as well. Uh, now you mentioned how critical it is to win the trust and the loyalty of your users, and set in this backdrop, I wanted to ask you what would be some of the key. you know user data or user engagement or retention based challenges that uh, big basket uh, faces uh, especially with regards to its uh, web and app platforms yeah um, so i think uh, the central uh, you know um, uh, challenge that we've been trying to solve for the for the last two years right okay i mean i'll just give you a sense of the customer behavior sure. and then the challenges will emerge from that right sure so what you observed is that um customers who shop with us four or five times mm-hmm. they tend to be very uh, sticky right, right. um <clears throat> so four or five times uh, i mean and, and then you know you can fairly easily predict uh, how their uh, uh, how often they shop um uh, how their basket value grows etc etc right right So the challenge, central challenge, has been uh, has always been how do you get customers uh, right. to the fourth or fifth order? Right. Right. That becomes um, your tipping point. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think, um, and we've done a bunch of things uh, towards that. I mean, I, I can maybe list down a few experiments sure. Sure. <coughs> or initiatives that we've tried. Sure. Um, so, uh, for example, one is, um, uh, I mean. Uh, I think a few months back we introduced a hundred percent cashback mm-hmm. over a few orders. Okay. With the idea being that uh, okay, you place your first order, so mm-hmm. you place an order for 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 a thousand rupees. Okay. And um, when you do that, you um, you get cashback which you can spend over the next you know few orders. Okay. Right. Um, with the idea that. That uh, increases the propensity of a customer to shop just that additional, you know, two or three times. Correct. Um, so I think we've uh, we've been trying that. Okay. Um, another thing we've been trying is uh, we have this loyalty program called BB Star. Okay. Uh, one of the key uh, propositions of BB Star is uh, that uh, it reduces the uh, um, order value threshold for free delivery. 
Okay. So to be specific, for a regular customer, um, if they shop for thousand two hundred rupees and above, uh, the delivery is free. Okay. Right. For so BB Star, uh, that value is six hundred rupees. Okay. Right. And therefore, I mean, clearly reduces the uh, barrier to transact because Correct. a lot of customers, you know, may not be able to build a basket for twelve hundred rupees. Correct. Right? So uh, one of the things we've done, therefore, is to uh, try, you know, giving BB Star uh, free to uh, to new customers. Okay. So that's something that we've tried. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are two initiatives, but I think it's not. Uh, it, it's a it's an ongoing challenge, and uh, you know, we constantly customer behavior also keeps changing. That's true. So you know, we constantly try to experiment uh, with ways to improve, you know, the propensity of a customer to place four or five orders. Correct. Correct. And and also you may have uh, you know witnessed and change or modified behavior when it comes to urban and semi-urban areas. Um, you know, tier one, tier two cities, a uh, customer sure. is bound to react uh, differently. Sure. Every time sure. their uh, they the items that they add to cart uh, would be uh, dissimilar. I mean, that's something that you guys I'm sure are tracking at the back end. Uh, well, I would. I mean, what we've seen with respect to customer you know, behavior uh, are two things. Mm-hmm. One is, you know, I would actually say that the customer behavior in terms of the basket composition for right. a tier one and tier two city right. tends to be fairly similar. It's more similar than it's different. Okay. Right. Uh, so that is part one. Part two, however, is that uh, in tier two cities, right? Right. Okay. One thing to note is our value proposition. Right. Mm-hmm. What is the value proposition of an online grocery delivery platform? Uh, a large part of it is really convenience, right? Correct. Um, convenience. I mean, there's also range, um, good prices, etc. But a large part of it is convenience. Correct. And uh, convenience. Uh, I mean, the value proposition of convenience becomes higher uh, if you have lesser time. Right. On your hands. Right. Right. What you've observed is uh, in tier two cities, uh, 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 and therefore people mm-hmm. have a little bit more time than. Uh, in tier one uh, cities, and therefore uh, the convenience proposition alone, you know, is, is probably not sufficient. Okay. So it's probably, a, you know, as a result, we'll have to be a lot more uh, competitive on price. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to showcase range that they can't get otherwise. Right. So I think that's uh, that's really the main difference that we see. The basket composition is fairly similar. Okay. But the convenience proposition is probably a little lesser. Valuable than it is in tier one cities, and therefore you'll have to play on other parameters like range and price. Got it. Because at the end of the day, the average Indian consumer, especially in a tier two city, would be far more price conscious. Um, I mean, it's. I wouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, um, I, the way I, I would look at that is that to perhaps a tier one city dweller. Well, I would put it this way. I mean, okay. uh, I would put, put put it slightly differently. Okay. Uh, if I'm uh, very time uh, strapped in a city like a Bangalore or a Mumbai, mm-hmm. right? Then uh, that's the most important thing for me. Okay. Right, and anything that helps me save that time and get the items that I want, um, uh, it, it, that's the most important thing for me. Right. And therefore, I might not be. Uh, I mean, I might not be particularly sensitive to price. I will be sensitive to price, but not particularly. Got it. Uh, uh, Right, Got but it. if I'm in a tier two city, then maybe I mean maybe my offline store is already fairly convenient. Right, and therefore what tips the scales in favor of online grocery would be if you have very competitive prices. 
correct or if you have a much larger range, range. so that's the way i would look at it okay okay that makes sense and that actually brings me to my next question now uh we've seen how critical it is for a brand like big basket to get your users to that tipping point of 4 to 5 repeat usages now yeah. in a situation like that um how does big basket leverage the power of personalization or a recommendation engine to increase the average order value or uh, cross sell or upsell better uh, how how do you guys actually look at uh, you know leveraging recommendation engines yeah i'll zoom out a little bit and talk sure. about how we think about personalization sure. in a broader sense of course all right so uh, so we have around uh, i think now 30 to 40 thousand items in our store right right so it's effectively uh, you know very large uh, shelf space correct effectively infinite but let's say very large correct shelf space number one so the problem is the customer is maybe in a session whenever he or she visits the website or the app right he or she is spending uh, maybe what a few minutes mm-hmm. at best correct right and there's no way that a customer can see all of the 40000 products absolutely. on the app absolutely in that time right? correct and therefore uh, it's very important for us to um, i mean it's We are, what we are trying to really do is mm-hmm. in that three minutes or four minutes, the customer is spending on our website or app. Right. How do we show the, the most, most relevant, relevant recommendations? Yeah, correct. Exactly. Right. So that's the problem that we are trying to solve for. Right. Right. Um, capitalize on about. capitalize on those micro moments that a user ends up spending on the website or app. Um, well, the way I would, you know, I would not even, you know, uh, uh, put it. I would put it differently. I would okay. say, if You have a chance to show something to a customer, sure, right? And that uh, 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 the universal set is forty thousand products, right? Right? How do you pick the twenty or thirty products from that list of forty thousand that's most relevant to a particular customer? Correct, correct. Right. So that's the way we think about it. Mm-hmm. And likewise, if you extrapolate this to other channels, for example, push notifications or emails, right? Right. So let's say if I take push notifications, mm-hmm. suppose. we send out 30 push notifications to a, to a customer in a month right that's like saying that i have 30 opportunities to you know show a product in front of you correct right now how do i pick for each customer the most relevant set of 30 products in a month right right so that's what we're really trying to solve for okay right now one of the interesting things is if you look at so that's that's what we you know that's the uh, uh, big picture okay now what are the international trends in this um I think if you look at a company like Taobao, right? Right. Uh, which is sort of Alibaba. Right. Um, so if you look at hundred uh, product page views that they have, right? Right. More than sixty of them come from recommendations. Correct. Right. Right. Um, recommendations as opposed to search. Correct. Uh, so that's one data point. Uh, second data point is if you look at the company like Stitch Fix. Right. Stitch Fix is an American company which um, which recommends uh, outfits. Okay. To the customers, right? Okay. So you kind of the way it works is the customer um, uh, 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 states their preferences in terms of clothing and style, etc. And Stitchfix creates mm-hmm. um, those recommendations customer. based on those exactly. data points, right? Exactly. Yeah. And Stitchfix is hundred percent based on recommendations. I mean, okay. There is no browser search. It's just hundred percent recommendations. Got it. Right. Um. So. I mean, and there are multiple other uh, data points that you could add to this. 
but but what what you see really is that is there is a way i mean the holy grail really is mm-hmm. if a customer comes in right and he or she doesn't have to really search correct right but instead gets the list of 20 or 30 items correct that's more relevant to him or her that's correct. really the holy grail absolutely that, you know in fact I, i was reading something on uh, you know there are these uh, discount retailers right. right like the likes of aldi and little correct right um so one of the things apparently so they have uh, maybe around 1000 to 2000 exclusives in their okay. store okay right as opposed to say 100000 in a walmart super center correct right? correct and apparently one of the benefits of having i mean obviously people usually think about low assortment as a negative right right but apparently it turns out that at some point customers just don't want that level of choice and right. they want the best set of options to them doesn't it to them makes sense right? makes sense correct so from all of those perspectives right i think uh, i mean the way you think about it is can we use that you know 3 minutes right. of, of that the customer is spending with us in the most optimal way possible right and and also right. the fact that uh, you know your recommendations don't just end on the website or the app it's something that you need to deliver across the entire customer journey correct across Correct. different uh, touch points you mentioned push notifications Correct. you know i'm sure you optimize other channels as well for uh, you know this particular sort of outreach whether it's email whether it's sms it's about finding what the sweet spot is for uh, individual users exactly and and here i would add uh, a, a couple of things right one is sure. uh, i mean personalization is way beyond uh, just uh, mentioning the customer's name so for Correct. example absolutely it must be on saying hi prabhut yeah um, here's an offer for you i don't i think that you know that i think that phase of personalization has gone by now that's passe exactly exactly i think the value is if i'm able to say uh, hey prabhut right um you seem to like uh, healthy uh, foods mm-hmm. and therefore here is uh, a new healthy diet or healthy snacking option for you correct and here's an offer on the card or payment option that you use regularly right right if you're able to say something like that then it's useful no that's true that's true because you contextualize it at a very individual level it's not exactly. a scattergun approach exactly and i think uh, one of the things that we thought of on actually is um in order to do personalization well mm-hmm. uh, i mean there's a big human element that comes in right correct that you have to be really thoughtful firstly i think i mean uh, beyond all of the in fact i think firstly it starts with category understanding and product understanding true true very true right so if you're a marketer uh, you know for example in grocery you, you will have to know the category really well correct so i have to know that there is something called you know there's a trend towards healthy foods right Um, uh there's a trend <coughs> uh so you basically you have to know the category in and out right uh, you have to know for example that uh, people uh, we have payment offers and there are various payment offers mm-hmm. you know each each of them then once etc right so i think understanding the category is one part of it correct uh, the second part of it is uh, i mean there is a lot i think involved in um in uh, putting together templates for right. personalized communication right correct correct um because ultimately what you want is to delight a customer a customer should think that wow i mean they really thought through the communication right as opposed to you know uh, and customer shouldn't feel that this is just you know it has his or her name and right. maybe some irrelevant things yeah uh, but it's not of value to them we don't want the customer to think that way 
Correct. So I think there's a lot of art in putting together the templates, uh, etc. So mm-hmm. I think those two parts are probably, uh, you know, the underappreciated parts of personalization. That's true, and I think a lot of people sort of lose track of the fact that uh, personalization isn't just about the application of machine learning or artificial intelligence. That component of uh, human capital that you mentioned is also critical, yeah. and they go hand in yeah. hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just giving one example that I, I mean, absolutely loved. Uh, so sometime, I think it's either end of last year or uh, towards the beginning of this year, the right. Spotify sent out. Uh, you know, an email with, right. um, with uh, you know, your your year. Oh yeah, the year end wrap up. Called. Yeah, exactly. It was just so beautiful. I mean, so you know, it had uh, you know my favorite artist. Correct. Uh, it, it had the song that I listened to the most. Correct. And it all you know made such a beautiful you know artistic. They wrapped it up in such an artistic package with the cover art and so on and so forth. True. I think uh, doing you know a few. Um, uh, you know, pieces of personalization like that. Right. You know, uh, a lot more valuable than doing a lot which is, you know, not of great quality. I think that's one thing to consider. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. And that actually brings me to my final question. Um, you know, I just wanted to pick your brains on what you think is the future of mobile or digital marketing. The increasing dependence or application of artificial intelligence or machine learning. Where do you see the future of marketing head? Well, I think uh, I think the way I've thought about uh, marketing uh, is uh, you know it's a, a Venn diagram composed of three parts. Okay. Right. One part is core marketing. All right. Right. I will explain each of these sure. in turn. But this one part is core marketing. Okay. Um, the second part is technology. Right. And the third part is analytics. Correct. Right. Uh, and if you are in a company that uh, that that has a website or app. Right. Uh, it's very important to know enough of these three parts. True. True. Right. So, for instance, marketing. Um, one has to know um, uh, 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 how how do customers behave. What right. are the drivers of customer behavior? Correct. Um, how do uh, uh, I mean base, basics of you know marketing the four P's right. etc. Right. 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 Uh, so I think that's. The marketing aspect. Right. Um, the second part is technology, wherein one has to know, um, uh, for instance, how do APIs work? Right. You know. So if I want to do personalization, then what are the kind of integrations that make sense? Correct. Um, and what is possible and not possible? I think knowing knowing technology to an extent really helps. Correct. And what um, makes strategic sense for you at specific evolutionary curves of your growth story? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, here in technology, one doesn't probably have to know a lot of the details, but it's important to know what is possible. Correct. Right. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that can be picked up. But today, I think through either podcast or right. reading online. Right. Um, so I think that's the technology uh, uh, technology part. Right. Um, I mean, for example, one part of technology. I mean, I'll give you a very simple example. Sure. If you're running a digital marketing team, uh, it's very important to know how exactly attribution works. Correct. You know, Correct. Let's say you have app install campaign. Yeah. Now, how it, where does the data get collected? You know, how exactly attribution happens. It's helpful to understand that. Correct. Right. Or you know, in the case of push notifications, uh, how do you capture the data and right. uh, what are the API integrations involved with your uh, internal database? Correct. Understanding those basics really helps. Right. Um, 
so that's the technology part right. and the third part is analytics mm-hmm. um analytics is uh, i mean one part is ability to work with uh, data mm-hmm. um and i think i mean one of the tricky things uh, with marketing especially is it's often very hard i find to uh, to figure out uh, you know what is causation correct so you run a campaign um this really cause a positive impact right. or not i think right. it turns out it's really hard to do that right. i think developing that uh, i mean i guess the skills mm-hmm. to uh, to figure out what has caused what i right. think that turns out to be super important correct um, and i think there uh, i think i mean there are things one can read but mm-hmm. i mean what really helps is having a skeptical mindset right i mean you have to be optimistic but then <laughs> i think when i mean you don't want to be fooled by uh, Uh, I, i mean your optimism right correct absolutely so i think a healthy dose of skepticism i think is is a good uh, uh, thing to have right um, and apart from that i think this fluency with numbers uh-huh. ability to analyze things right and also i think in fact two things i would say one is understanding what is what is causation right. how do you separate separate you know um, uh, how do you know the true impact of something i think that's one and second how do you react appropriately to things right so meaning Meaning, it's very easy to overreact or underreact all the time. Correct. But how do you have that optimal level of uh, response? You know, uh, responsiveness. Right. I think that that's analytics uh, as I would look at it. So I think just understanding marketing, technology analytics. Right. I mean that's how I would look at it. Right. Now, depending on one's background, right? If, for example, one comes from a traditional marketing background. Right. Uh, then I think they'll be very strong at marketing. Correct. But they might need to learn technology and analytics. Yeah, you've got to Better. figure out where your you know your strengths lie, where your weaknesses lie, and accordingly exactly. align yourself, right? Exactly, exactly. And the way I would look at it is, I mean, it's always good to play to strengths, but uh, it's also good, important to plug in weaknesses. You don't want a weakness hindering you. So I think it's good to have you know decent balance of skills in these three areas. So that's how I would look at it. No, you. Uh, I think you. Yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think the way you explained it with the Venn diagram that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and uh, that actually brings me to the end of this particular episode. Some wonderful insights shared, and some very very interesting observations uh, made. Because it's uh, it's always great to hear straight from the horse's mouth. And uh, while we in the tech space, you know, can uh, conjecture, speculate, read, learn, uh, but it's always uh, you know important to hear from uh, industry practitioners who are uh, working at the cutting edge of marketing and technology. So thank you so much for joining us, Anand. It's been an absolute pleasure to host you. Thanks, Rajiv. I had a great time too. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much.